0: Welcome to our study of Philippians here on the Radio Bible Course. We have come to verse 3, where Paul lists three things in regard to himself and the Philippians being the true circumcision, as opposed to the Jews, who are the false circumcision. He said, We worship God in spirit, and glory in Christ Jesus, and put no confidence in the flesh. Well, the Jews didn't do that. They didn't worship God in the Spirit. They worshiped in a place. They worshiped according to tradition. They had the laws of God which were given up at Mount Sinai to Moses, but their problem was they were trusting in the law to save them. They certainly did not glory in Christ Jesus. They totally rejected him as the Son of God, as the Son of Man, and the Messiah, who is sent by God. And they did put confidence in the flesh. Paul said, we put no confidence in the flesh. What did he mean by that? It's a reference to what he or you or I can do religiously. Now, this point is clear. If you put any confidence in what you are doing or can do for God... You do not have confidence in Christ. What we glory in can disclose where our confidence lies. Do you have any pride in the church to which you belong? Or do you take pride in the method by which you were baptized? Or how often you pray, or how upright you may live? Do you feel approved spiritually for keeping the Sabbath day, or perhaps Reading the Bible, in order to please God, we must have exclusive glory and confidence in Christ, and no confidence at all in our pure lifestyle, our personal integrity, or our righteous living. In what were those Jewish teachers glorying back there in Philippi? In the flesh, in circumcision. They had it. And they were urging other Christians to get circumcised also. John the Baptist had spoken to these people some years earlier. They were taking pride in being Abraham's children. And he said, God can raise up from these stones children for Abraham. He scorned them because their hopes were in the wrong thing. They were a people who practiced outward things and thought that's the sense in which God would be pleased, by what they did externally. But we saw in Romans chapter 2, verse 28, that true circumcision is of the heart, not external, but internal. There are many people who call themselves Christians who do put confidence in the flesh. We find this to be generally true concerning people who fall into legalism whether Sabbath day-keeping, tithing, or even church attendance. Yes, there are people who look at Christian meetings as a legal obligation and something one must do. They are not content to practice these things themselves. They insist on getting others to do them also. And if others don't, well, they say they aren't as righteous as we are. Confidence in the flesh is a false confidence, of course, and it is an affront to the person and work of Jesus Christ. It shows contempt for what God has accepted, and it insults the sacrifice of Christ. Paul wants to use himself as an example of someone who formerly had great confidence in the flesh and for far superior reasons than those false teachers had. Now, verses 4 through 7 of Philippians chapter 3 give these reasons. And I'm reading beginning with verse 4. Although I myself might have had confidence, even in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, As to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to the righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. In these verses, the apostle outlines the human achievements in which he once had confidence. The first four were inherited the final three were by his choice and dedication. Now this list is impressive. Listen to it. Verse 5 Circumcised the eighth day. That implies birth as a Jew. Why did he boast about that? It suggests that some of those Judaizers were men who were circumcised as adults when they joined the synagogues as proselytes. But Paul was a Jew from the cradle. he listed this first, that is this circumcision, because circumcision was being used by some of those teachers to supplement the gospel, and then he said he was of the nation of Israel, not just a Jew religiously. Israel was the covenant name of God's people, and Paul was one of those people. Then he said he was of the tribe of Benjamin. Was that something to boast in? Oh, this tribe was loyal to the house of David, and he bore the same name as Israel's first king, Saul. He, of course, was known as Saul of Tarsus. Paul here is claiming a good genealogy, not just circumcision, as some of those other false teachers were doing. The holy city, by the way, was in the land of Benjamin. And then Paul said, He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. If anyone could claim superiority, he could. His family was Hebrew, and he spoke Hebrew. No one excelled him as a Hebrew. A Jew who spoke Hebrew was loyal to the old culture of those people, and that was something the Jews took pride in. Then Paul said, as to the law, a Pharisee. This was the religious party committed to obeying all of the laws, not just circumcision. And, of course, the Pharisees were stubborn and proud. Then Paul writes, as to zeal, he was a persecutor of the church. He here is referring to his zeal as a Jew, wanting to defend it so earnestly that he tried to wipe out the Christian movement. He hated Christ and he hated the Christians who followed Christ. As a Jew, he wanted them to disappear, and he did his best to jail them and to kill them, until Christ himself arranged a meeting on the road to Damascus, and then Paul's, or Saul's, life was changed, and his name was changed to Paul. Paul also claimed, as to righteousness, which is in the law, I was found blameless. Now, he didn't say he was sinless, but no one could charge him with ignoring anything in the law. He was a lawkeeper, and he was a doctor of the law. He knew the law better than any other man. Now, could any of those Judaizers, that is, those false teachers, match these credentials which Paul had? If the Philippians were impressed by those teachers of legalism, they ought now to be more impressed by Paul, and I think they were when they got this epistle. Notice, however, that Paul said nothing evil in these statements, nothing evil against Judaism. Nor did he say those achievements were a loss. What he points out to in verse 7 is that what was gained to him at that time he now considers loss. He took so much pride in that and thought that surely doing all these things as a Jew, his loyalty to Judaism, his loyalty to the law, that surely God would accept him on that basis. But now looking back as a Christian, he writes to the Philippians and says all those things that accounted gain were a loss. He did not say Judaism was worthless. That was a lifestyle that gave a man confidence in himself before God. But Paul now is writing as one who has no confidence in himself, but total confidence in Jesus Christ. And when Paul came to see faith in Christ as the only way to God, then all those things of the flesh he counted as loss. There are people today who are still placing value on some religious practice or association or family reputation in their past. When they count them as loss, then they will have no more confidence in the flesh. Now notice verse 9. Paul writes, And may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. I know people today who put their confidence in the law, Now, when a man talks about the law and how he tries to keep the Ten Commandments and live by the Old Testament law, it's not that he's taking pride so much in the law, he's taking pride in his ability to keep it. And he thinks by that human effort which he puts forth to adhere to the word of God in the Old Testament, that that will earn him points with God. Now, in the Old Testament, there were many people who believed that. And in Jesus' time in the first century, there were many Jews who believed that. Not many were trusting, as Abraham did and as David did, trusting in God's word. The multitude of men, unlike David and Abraham, were trying to save themselves by being good, by being righteous. Whenever you talked about righteousness in the Old Testament, it had to do with a standard of righteousness which God had given, and that brings in the Law of Moses. Abraham, it says, was righteous through faith, and David himself, as it's recorded in Romans chapter four, verse six just as David also speaks of the blessings upon the man to whom God reckons righteousness apart from works. Where did David say that? In Psalm 32, it says, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven, and whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. And Paul the Apostle precedes this by saying, This was righteousness apart from works. The Bible teaches us that there is now, apart from the law, a righteousness of God, which has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned, and falls short of the glory of God. And we can be justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. And we thank God for that victory. What has your church taught you that is necessary to get to heaven? Some people say, you must live by the Ten Commandments, you must pray, you must go to church and be good. The apostles never said anything like that when they told people how they could be saved. Well, there's so much confusion about this matter of what is required to get to heaven that the Radio Bible Course has published a book to give you biblical answers. It is called Heaven's Password, and it's free. Write for your free copy today. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.